What's going on, everybody? I'm Trevor Holder. Austin Buckner. And we are here today to kind of nerd out a bit. We talk about Twisted Metal. We talk about Mortal Kombat. Um, You know, it was a fun episode, but more importantly, we go into what's happening right now, which is the writer's strike and uh, all the issues coming with that. And I think it was a very awesome episode, in my opinion, where it was a very constructive conversation that yeah. we had. Yeah, yeah, Was there anything that you feel like we may have left out? Something you may want to hit on? No, not really. Just pay the fucking writers. Yeah. You know? We talked about this the whole time. Like, uh, like a, a good, a well-written show um, can save a, a bad cast. A, a, a great cast cannot make up for, for bad writing. Uh, a great writing team is the backbone of any production, in my opinion. Um, you know, and they may, may not be the face of the show like a celebrity actor would be, but like... Yeah, just fucking treat people better yeah like and that goes for that's not, not just monkeys for, that's not just for hollywood that's for any industry I, yeah I just i know people that work at factories and they're just like god they just work us to death and it, like it feels like the writers comparatively it feels like the writers are equivalent to wait staff mm-hmm. in the service industry it just it always pisses me off it seems like the in, in any industry, the the bottom tier people, the ones that get paid the least, that you you don't really even think about, like that makes or breaks your company. No one get, no one really gives a fuck who owns a restaurant, the the ownership uh, company or 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 group or whatever uh, that owns a certain restaurant or a chain of restaurants or no one cares who the the franchisee is. Um, of a fast food restaurant. Except Steve McFadden. Fuck you. Yeah, fuck that guy. But what really, the, what hinges on the, how good or or bad your restaurant can be is your wait staff, your, your, your cooks in the kitchen. No one gives a shit who owns the restaurant. No one gives a shit who manages the restaurant. Like the people that are there uh, serving your food or cooking your food that's that's the fucking lifeblood of the restaurant. Yeah. Um, and don't act like you're better than people and not tip them shit. Fucking so tip stupid. them. If you it, don't, it's stupid that we have to tip them. Yes. I will say that. It is fucking stupid that we have to tip them. But in the way that, that the, the system is set up, if you don't have the money to tip, you don't have the money to eat out. Period. Yeah. Um, and that that's... I'd be, we're jumping down a rabbit hole at this point, but like... Any any industry. If you if you don't have the money to tip, you don't have the money for a tattoo. If you don't have the money to tip, you don't have the money for a haircut. Like it's just the way it is. Like yeah. these are artists. Just treat people better. It's not hard. Yeah, I mean it. It goes back to, in my opinion, it goes back to like when I worked at uh, like Wells Fargo, right? Yeah. Bottom rung fucking collections call center job, making like twelve dollars an hour probably. Uh, just the shittiest job. You no, might want to be careful. You don't want another cease and desist. Yeah, fuck them. <laughs> uh, they they treated 
me like I was disposable. Disposable. And to be fair, I am because it's the it's the easiest job to get in yeah. De, in Des Moines. There are people they will hire anyone and you it's the easiest job to get. So they don't really give a fuck about you. But no one gives a fuck who the CEO of Wells Fargo is. What they care about is if I call in to customer service, are they going to treat me like a fucking human being? Are they going to answer my questions? Are they going to be knowledgeable? Those call centers, those customer service call centers, that's the, that's the face of your company in a way. It's the voice of your company. That's your, your, your customer facing people are who matter the most, in my opinion. Um, not, not the guy that sits in a fucking tower in, in wherever it is, New York city or, or wherever sits in a fucking corner office, uh, somewhere like you have to treat those, those call centers, those customer service, those wait staff, the people that are at the, the, the bottom of the fucking barrel, um, uh, <laughs> janitors for example like i always hear it like you know the the, the people the, the best people are the ones that treat the janitor and the ceo exactly the same and like that's that means the world to me uh because i use the work as a janitor um but also like it it doesn't it doesn't matter if some dude wears a fucking suit and he went to school for business management or whatever the fuck like every single person plays a role um, and in this case, it's like I said, the writers make a world of difference and your favorite TV shows, your favorite movies, we talk about it in the podcast, your favorite video games, a lot of that shit wouldn't exist without great writing teams. And the fact that they don't get the, the recognition that they deserve, um, the fact that they do not get the respect they deserve. The, the money that they deserve is a fucking tragedy. It's And it's not enough to just have your name up on a graphic that shows up for 0.2 seconds oh, on a screen. You mean the credits that at the end of an episode, especially if it's a replay, they just run through it real quick. Yep. And they, they bring up like the advertisement for the next show that's on. Yep. You don't see the credits at all. It's fucking stupid. Like, oh, fucking Johnny Depp's in this movie. And you get his name real big at the beginning of the movie, and then, and then the it, fucking writing staff. Picture is, in picture. Oh, it's so stupid. Yep. Um, so bottom line is, and the overall view is, treat the people that are responsible for making you money and your and the success that you depend on better. Amen. All right. So with do that, do, 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 do. <laughs> with that, sit back, relax. And enjoy another episode of the Ice Cream Sunday Podcast. I wanted to talk about something that's currently going on at the time of uh, this recording, mm -hmm. which is the writer's strike. And, um, you know, this is a known issue. Uh, it's been a known issue and it's been a pretty bad issue for 
years, which, you know, is evidenced by every two, three years, we get another writer's strike. Mm -hmm. Because writers are tired of getting paid, you know, pennies pennies to dollars when they make so little, but end up producing content that's worth millions and billions of dollars. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's... uh... I think it's interesting in in my opinion that you pay and I, and I love this is just an example because I, I read this recently. I love Jason Sudeikis and mm-hmm. I think he might be one of the co-writers on the show. So this is a bad example, but for I saw that he, Ted Lasso. For Ted Lasso. Yeah. But uh, he, he gets paid a million dollars an episode. Right. And then one of the writers of the show and he is one of the writers of the show, but let's say he's on a different show and he, and an actor gets paid a million dollars and you see their face and they're, they're celebrities and they're crazy popular. And then the ones behind the scenes that actually make a show memorable, dramatic, uh, sad, heartfelt, funny, whatever you want to call it, the real lifeblood of those shows are the writers and they don't, they're not treated like their, their creativity and what they pour into, um, what they pour into a story, uh, matters. And that, and it's, it's unfortunate. And I think the, the thing that pisses me off is that I, I, I see this story and then I see someone comment like, you know, the, the late night writers are on strike and they're like, well, who gives a shit? It's, it's this late night television. But like, to you, it's just some shitty show that comes on after the local news. But for the people that work on those shows that are writers, like that's their, that's their livelihood. That's, that's as, that's as important to, that's as important to them as it would be, uh, someone that works in a car dealership or someone that works in security or someone that work, you know, whatever the job is. Um, that's how they make their living. That's how they put food on their table for their kids. So like to you, it's just some dumb fucking show that you don't like, but to the SNL writers or, or, you know, late night writers that you shit all over. Like that's, that's how they, and I mean, you pay their bills. Yeah. You can have faces to a show or a movie, you know? Um, and a lot of people think, Hey, that's what carries it. Like there's no way this can fail because Dwayne, the rock Johnson signed up to do this Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever. Um, but, as much as much star power as you can throw at something, it can still fail, mm-hmm. and that's very clear when something gets terrible reviews or or people don't go and see it. Like you can have a great cast, Cats, for example. I know oh, that's a yeah. very bad example, but it's also a really good example. Like it, it was just written so shittily, mm-hmm. shittily. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I know. Um, no, but you know. You can't have just a face because that's not what that's not what's going to carry it. The writing carries it, like you oh, were saying. Uh, a great cast will not save uh, bad writing. Yeah, and but, you can have but great writing. Great writing can save a bad cast. Yeah, like uh, I, it's like what you said, and I completely agree. Writing uh, is what the show hinges on. Mm-hmm. So, like, you can have amazing writing and and mediocre performances, but because of that writing, it is absolutely going to save that show. Mm-hmm. Like a, a show will survive because of it, but you can't have mediocre writing and 
great actors and and expect it to to last and you know with so many shows going on hiatus now because of this strike um it it goes to show the power behind the writers Mm -hmm. and you know you go further into it and you see the response from other celebrities uh directors even the directors guild had said like look if things don't go the writer's way and if this lasts so long we're going on strike and that is a big fucking problem because then that's just going to shut down everything mm-hmm. we're going to be watching reruns for a while we're not going to get anything out in theaters mm-hmm. because of, because of all of this and you know you, you got so many people outspoken for the writers like and that's awesome like you know you got a bunch of actors Sudeikis for example 100% in on the idea of yeah writers need to be paid more mm-hmm. I mean shit practically all of S- all of the SNL cast is all with the writers because they're like yeah they need paid more this sucks the the unique position in like late night or SNL for example, is um, a lot of the cast are a lot of the cast are are very close with the writers or help the writing staff yeah. or were writers themselves before they they got an on screen role. Yeah. Um. So they can empathize. They can put themselves in the in their shoes. I think um you brought up the fact that we we see this this writers guild go on strike seemingly every two or three years, and it just speaks to. I don't know if they if if their negotiating skills are as strong as it should be, because um, it seems like it's a it's an issue that is that happens all the time, um, and just the you know the strength of their their union or their their writers guild, because um, it just seems like they're always trying to step back up to the negotiating table. It, they're just they're treated like like garbage and uh it just seems like and and to put that in perspective right um one of the reasons why this is happening is because uh seasons no longer last um 24 episodes they Mm -hmm. don't they don't do 22 minutes per episode and that's putting it to 30 minutes with commercials stuff like that because uh, you know, you got streaming services now. Everything's going to roughly eight to ten episodes uh, per season, and mm-hmm. they're all hours long. Yeah. So, I mean, when you have someone saying, hey, I got a residual check, and it was only $8, that's a fucking problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, has this affected... And I know that the development process of a video game is probably longer than a, maybe longer than a TV show, but has this, uh, that you've seen affected any video game production or the uh, writing or anything like that in, in the video game world? Not yet, but that's kind of a whole different sure. um, category. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's very, very close. And I, I've seen a bunch of people in the video game industry stand behind you know, the Writers Guild and the Directors Guild, um, which is amazing to see because, you know, seeing seeing people who already benefit 
heavily from this. Mm-hmm. Again, going back to, you know, um, like actors uh, in support of the writers, like, do they have any reason to support this? No, they're already getting paid mm-hmm. buku bucks. Um, and it's not, it's not one of those things where they're saving face just to keep a show and a paycheck because of it. It's like they legitimately mean, yeah, like we we need this for them. Mm-hmm. Like it's not fair and it's not okay. And to see Hollywood in such a fucking deadlock really kind of shines a light on companies themselves and like you kind of really see the past the glitz and glamour of it to just to have oh man like these companies don't care and they never really have i think we um i think we live in this uh well it's it's a it's a weird catch-22 right because uh the writers will make as much money as the actors and then at the same time we we live in this uh <laughs> this fucking capitalist dystopia where your your worth is all tied to how much money you make um which is not how it should be at all i know a lot of broke motherfuckers that are my favorite people and i know a lot of wealthy people who suck um so it's this weird catch 22 is like well i'm not making much money and it's it, it's it's whatever it is but um going back to going back to the fact that like actors can make a million dollars an episode and the writers get a fraction of that when really the writers are, are the ones that make the actors look good and the actors are just saying writers lines. Um, it reminds me of, so this is a different kind of writing. This is speech writing, but Obama, right. Commonly known as like the most eloquent speaking president in a long time, probably the coolest. Yeah. And just like cool as fuck. Did you ever listen to any of the episodes of the podcast that he had with uh, Michelle? Br- that too, but specifically the podcast that he had with Bruce Springsteen. No, yeah, I didn't know that was a thing. Boring as fuck. Is it like it's it's one of those things where it's like you can you can get up there and you can have the look and you can have like a little bit of swagger, but like if you don't have the right words to say, it's I gotcha. You know what I'm okay, saying? Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. that's the point I'm trying to make. It's like. He doesn't have his, you know, fucking awesome writing team behind him. Yeah. And it just kind of kind of falls flat. And it's like you were like the most engaging, like captivating dude to watch speak. Like even before he was president. I think it was 2005, 2006. Well, I mean, what does he have to work for at this point? You know? Well, yeah. I mean, he kind of he kind of peaked at being president. And then after, like, why? Like, why? Yeah. You know? Like, he doesn't need to be more famous. He doesn't need to be in the spotlight. And I don't think he really wants to be. Oh, God, I wouldn't want to. Like, he he did his thing. and Whether you liked him or or not, I wouldn't want to. Because, like, half the country, no matter what you do, hates every decision. Like, I I don't agree with... I don't agree with much of what George Bush... George W. Bush did in his presidency. But, man, I, I can't... I can't do anything but respect the way that he is just like taking himself out of the limelight. He's like, I'm just going to go fucking paint. Like, you know what I mean? Like, 
uh, half the country like fucking hates you. Half the country thinks that you are uh, responsible for nine eleven. Um, I'm probably in that half. So, so I have a couple of things I want to hit on. Um, let Let's jump back a little, but I want to get back to Obama just because I have a very specific question. So let's jump back a little back to um, residuals and and the writers mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, it's. Uh, a huge thing is, um, and this has been going on for, I don't know, close, I don't know, over probably about over five years. What's that? Where um, there's been a huge um, debate on should streaming uh, services, shows, movies, stuff like that be considered for awards, like mm. Oscars, mm-hmm. Grant, you know, stuff like that. Um. And then when you go back to see the strikes and how it's affecting everything, including streaming services, like, I think that legitimizes it to where it absolutely does need to be. Mm-hmm. But when you got residuals coming into writers and stuff from people that have been in the industry over 40 years, and they're like, hey, it varies wildly. And one of the reasons why it varies wildly is because either binge culture, being able to binge an entire season and like, okay, they get so much money from whenever an episode hits, like whenever somebody watches that episode, they get maybe a a burst here and there. And then, uh, you know, when the new season comes out, people watch the whole thing and then they won't really receive any money from that. Unless you got someone randomly like, oh yeah. yeah, let's watch it then. Doesn't happen like that. But with network shows, that is a constant yeah. stream comparatively. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm going off on a tangent that doesn't relate to... Momo, come on, man. <laughs> he has a lot of thoughts on it. Um but I think it's like it's a weird, like uh, old school gatekeeping kind oh, of absolutely. mentality. So like you talked about residuals in in movies and TV, it reminds me a lot of like the recording industry. Like when streaming first started getting big, Spotify came around or iTunes or whatever, and now like you can very easily upload your own music. We do it. We upload our podcast to a streaming service. Yeah. And you don't have to go through a big recording company to get your stuff to the masses. You can put it up on YouTube or you can put it up on Spotify or you can put it up on whatever. Um, and then uh, like the Recording Academy or or uh, I don't fucking know the name of the uh, the entity that awards like gold and platinum and, the, and record sales and shit like that. But I, I believe it's the Recording Academy or recording industry whatever the fuck ever but the point i'm trying to make here is that at first like streaming downloads and itunes like if you back in the day if you bought an album off itunes like that didn't count toward your record sales and it's because like record companies aren't getting like their their cut and it's it's this weird gatekeeping to keep the the old ways in you know at the at the apex. So I'm glad you brought that up because um, in on a related note, you know, you got uh, this is this is amazing by the way. Um, Snoop Dogg went off script at a, a at a digital conference, calling out music execs 
for exactly like he hit the the writer strike and saying, okay, this is going on. Why haven't why haven't um the the CEOs and the companies that that run the streaming services for music like artists haven't been paid shit for streaming their music. You can have streams and whatnot, but they don't receive anything, and it, it's this weird tie up. And so he called them out and went off script from this conference thing, saying, uh, essentially what he did was he he called out music executives at a business conference by questioning um, the stingy digital music streaming mm-hmm. uh, payout system, while also supporting, and it was. Snoop Dogg, so you know he's gonna put expletives all over the place, right? But, but it it was awesome because everyone like kind of fell silent and then just it was applauds. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think has more impact? I guess I want to say, do you think a show like Saturday Night Live making jokes about presidents, right? Do you think that has more of an impact than say? Key and Peel. Um, and, and, and let me, okay, let me kind of try to clarify this. Basically, what I mean is, you know, you have Key and Peel, very memeable, um, with doing uh, Luther, the anger translator for Obama. Right. Everyone remembers that, and everyone keeps going back to that every now and then. I mean, they had uh, Keegan Michael Key come out for, uh, Obama's state of the address one time and it, they made a huge joke about it, right? But I can't remember in in recent history of of uh you know SNL being able to do the same thing. Mm. You know? I think SNL skits get shared a lot, um, especially with TikTok. I see them all over TikTok and stuff, and I think they get they go viral a little bit, especially like the the good ones. Like I, I think we saw political, maybe not so much. Uh, there's some political things that get shared. I think uh, a lot more when obviously they're a very left leaning show. So I think when Trump was president, obviously there was more political stuff that got shared more. I think they were more in the spotlight then. Um, they don't seem to go quite as hard on like Biden, but Biden is not nearly as like memeable as as Trump was. Trump was just this over the top character that lends itself to comedy because it's like nothing, nothing is going to be funnier, nothing is going to be more outlandish than what's actually happening in the White House right now. Um, I think when they have like a, a a guest on that's popular, I think SNL still knocks it out of the park as far as popularity goes. Um, like Pedro Pascal was on SNL and I, every single one of his clips seemed to go viral. Every single one of his, his uh, sketches seemed to go viral. Yeah. But is that because he's the, the hot flavor right now or that he was actually doing good? I think he did great. Yeah. And I think the, I think what was, written i think he's an awesome comedy actor um and i think that going back to the the writers guild um i think the writing was super strong in that episode and they wrote around his his strengths i think there's sometimes where you get a guest on snl and 
they're so they're so awkward or they don't fit with they just don't fit with the show. They're there because they're popular, but they're not yeah. there because it's it's a good fit for the show. Um and and Pedro Pascal obviously does I mean he's goofy silly boy. Um and I think the the writing was also really good. Like the some of the writing and some of those sketches were just fantastic. What do you think was his best skit? Uh like the one that made me laugh the most or the one that I think is the 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 best written one. The one that made me laugh the most just because it's it, like I love stupid accents is the one where he's in like a car accident or whatever. He comes out of a coma and he has a stupid accent. Makes me laugh every fucking oh, time. Oh, like, like you can barely understand yes. what he's saying. It's okay. hilarious. There's um, okay, so there's that one. Um he played a sp- uh, Hispanic That's mother. my favorite. That's the that's the in my opinion the the best written one. And then they had you know how they sometimes do like the pre-recorded skits as well. Yes. The Mario one. I liked that one a lot. Um I also like the one where he's a teacher and he's trying to figure out why the students are like, <laughs> oh, oh, you're our, you're our daddy. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it's all middle school. Like it's yes. supposed to be middle schoolers. And he's like, I don't understand. They're like, you're cute AF. He's like, Did- I, what does AF mean? <laughs> so I kind of feel like that, that Mario skit, um, I don't want to accuse or, or, or claim something and have it be wrong. Do it. So I feel feelings like, no facts. Okay, so <laughs> so I feel like that um I feel like that Mario skit was already ripped off from something, probably. And um, and honestly, that, that it was so well done though. It was so good. Um, you got you got lesser known uh companies or or groups or however you want to put it you got corridor digital doing uh something similar like Mm -hmm. that you got you got other youtube content creators creating skits that are essentially that same thing yeah and it seems like the snl writers just ripped it off from smaller creators but because they have a bigger platform Mm -hmm. Well, I think that was like like the Lonely Island like videos and sketches like that, like the pre pre taped like non live ones mm-hmm. with a little bit better production value. Like I think I'm pretty sure like the uh, Lonely Island's original videos, like their first videos, were called like digital shorts. Like I think the whole idea behind it was, oh, this is something that like we would see on YouTube. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit different than what SNL is is usually known for. These are like goofy, silly, fucking geared toward college students or um well i mean i mean like i i'm fairly certain that i've seen that exact premise that they used for oh for the mario for 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 that mario skit i've seen that actually done somewhere else is what i'm getting interesting yeah and i like and i can go back and and easily find it i know i want to say warp zone did a mario kart um a Mario Kart parody but they spliced it with Fast and the Furious. Yeah. I think you've sent me that. Yeah. Yeah. So they've done that um and then uh Mario Kart and Mad Max 
and I don't know. I it it feels way too coincidental for it to be uh an original idea from the writers of SNL. Speaking of Mad Max style vehicles and racing, how excited are you for Twisted Metal? Fuck yes. Okay, so I was on the fence about it for the longest time because I was like, oh, it's going to fucking bomb. It's going to tank. Do I think this is, it's going to happen for this show? Yes. It, it's not going to last two seasons. Have you seen the pictures of Samoa Joe as Sweet Tooth? Of course I have. Oh. So originally when Chef's kiss. originally when the idea came out, and I don't know if he's still attached to it, but the um when they originally announced it, Will Arnett was supposed to have a starring role in that show. I think he still is. Oh, okay. I, he's the he's the voice of Sweet the Tooth. Na- he's the voice of Sweet Tooth. Samoa Joe is just playing the body. Oh, yeah. See, yeah. I just. The idea of Twisted Metal, it, it's a very weird one because they they have a general premise. Mm-hmm. So for the video games, it was compete in this death match, this, this tournament of sorts, and you get your one wish, right? Yeah. But in every single Twisted Metal, it's... It gets bigger, it gets better, but the the idea is you get the wish you want, but you're always fucked over. Yeah, and that that's yeah, yeah, yeah. that's been a constant throughout each of the games. And it no with the TV show, it doesn't follow that premise. But we also haven't gotten a lot of details. We right. know Anthony Mackie plays a milkman or delivery driver or whatever. As far as what characters we're going to see in the show, I have no idea. Right. We don't know if they're going to stick to the same general premise. Like, are we going to get Outlaw? Are we going to get Dollface? Are we, you know, we, the mascot of, of Twisted Metal, which is Sweet Tooth, mm-hmm. we're getting him, but how is that going to play into it? You know? Do you think it's weird that when games like. Uh like online battle royale games, kind of mm-hmm. like, uh, oh, I don't know, like Fortnite or Warzone. Uh, Warzone. Like when those games became popular, that the idea of bringing Twisted Metal back as like a online battle royale game, like it seems like the whole the whole platform of that game, the whole idea behind that game, um, seems like it would lend itself very well to a, a battle royale. I think it would. Um Here's the problem. There was a battle royale game that more or less kind of kickstarted, and it was uh, H1Z1. It, it there's a whole lore to where battle royale started and gotcha. and online play and all that. Um, H1Z1 was w- one of the first ones, and that was big across the streaming community for the longest time. And then you know you got Fortnite coming out, you got uh, PUBG coming out mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all of that. And H1Z1 didn't have enough going on ever to really keep it in the loop. It's, I don't think it's even around anymore just because Fortnite has eclipsed the battle royal um, genre. But for a while, um, they came out with an update which was Auto Royale. 
And so it it was strictly a game mode within H1Z1 mm-hmm. that you stayed in a car the entire time. And you just drove around, you picked up power-ups, a lot like Twisted Metal. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if done right, yes, um, Twisted Metal could make a huge comeback. And I think with this show, we have a very good potential at getting a new Twisted Metal game. My problem is, is with games, games as a service, how is that going to work? If they're still going to do it, because that's mm-hmm. kind of tainted waters at this point. Or what do you mean by that? Games as a service. Um, it's so games as a service. Essentially, any game that has a a battle pass, like a recurring battle oh, pass. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like you know, Fortnite right. comes out with their seasons, and then new season, new battle pass. That's what games as a service is. The idea is have a free to play game where you get premium content that you can buy. Gotcha. And it, it's a very capitalistic uh, viewpoint because hey, how can we get people to give us money? That kind of thing. So with Twisted Metal possibly coming back, is it going to be a games as a service or are they going to shy away from that to not... Uh, be viewed as as money hungry greedy and i don't think they're going to be able to do that not being a games as a service yeah here it makes the most sense as that right yeah but here's the big caveat though the last good twisted metal game was twisted metal black on ps2 yeah they've tried twisted metal i think two times since that and it's f- both failed terribly hmm. i mean the i bought them for god's sakes and they were terrible they tried doing stories that just didn't make sense they tried uh the last twisted metal game they put out was all about sweet tooth right mm-hmm. which is fine it's whatever but it they basically made it to where Every single character was a different version of Sweet Tooth, in a sense. Basically, every character was a different clown that Mm. ended up being like Outlaw, Warthog, Dollface, um, Roadkill. Which, by the way, swinging back to Anthony Mackie, I know he's the Milkman. But I think in game lore, if if we want to equate him to any uh, any character from the game, I think he is going to be Roadkill. Hmm. Okay. Um. Other than that, I I don't know. I, you know. Again, Do you have what, evidence for that, or that's just what you? Basically, from what I what I got from the trailer, um, if you look at the games, Roadkill has a very shitty uh sedan style gotcha so if you look at the trailer for the show um anthony mackie's car very heavily resembles uh roadkill in that sense so i i there's no proof it's just a theory i have and i'm grasping at straws because i'm that kind of person where I, i i reach and i dig and then you know i try to do my best to 
to find any relevance. And I think that's the one that makes the most sense. Uh, speaking of little nuggets in, in trailers, uh, you posted the Mortal Kombat trailer. Yes. A little teaser. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that and what it, what you think it means? Yes. So real quick, because I know we're running low on time. Um, we are reaching the 30th anniversary of Mortal Kombat. And back when Mortal Kombat 9 came out, which they rebranded as just Mortal Kombat, uh, that's when they rebooted the series. They rebooted the timeline and to kind of make it a more cohesive story that you can follow. Because fighting games really aren't known for having story-heavy content. Mm -hmm. And ever since Mortal Kombat 9... Um, they've released games where it's had a fucking phenomenal story tied to it, and it's great. So when Mortal Kombat 11... Uh, I, I want to throw out spoiler alerts as well. Yeah. Um, Mortal Kombat 9 was the reboot. Then you got Mortal Kombat 10, or Mortal Kombat X, and then Mortal Kombat 11. So Mortal Kombat 11 comes around. You get the story. Um, And by the end of that... Uh, including the Aftermath DLC, which extended the story, Sun God Liu Kang resets the timeline from Chronica. So it essentially wipes everything clean. So when they release the trailer, it sh all it shows is a clock. And it's, the trailer starts from 9, and mm. it ticks up to 10, and it ticks up to 11. But before it can get to 12... There's some sort of freak out and the clock jumps over to one. And anyone who, who it, I've never even played Mortal Kombat 11. I've, it's one of those games where I can sit there and watch all the cutscenes and get a full blown story, which by the way is over three hours long just for the main game. And mm -hmm. then another two to three hours strictly for the DLC cutscenes. And you can play it as a movie and it's incredible. Um, but you can very clearly tell that that's what they're doing. They're showing, hey, we started at 9, 10, 11, and uh, the 12th one is going to be a resetting of everything. And we're following that because of what happened in the story. And mm -hmm. it's so fucking clever and it's so good. And I cannot wait to see how this looks, how the story's going to play out. I may not even be good at the game. I know I'm not good at that game. I'm fucking terrible at fighting games. But if there was ever a fighting game that I could follow the story on and just be enthralled by, it is absolutely Mortal Kombat. Mm -hmm. I also want to throw in a little uh, quick nugget. Carl Urban got confirmed to be Johnny Cage. So not just on talks, he's confirmed. It's It's in the final process yeah, of it, yeah. but yeah, like every, every reputable source, you got comic book, uh, com, Kotaku. Um, I think even IGN reported on it mm -hmm. as well, where they've essentially confirmed that he's going to be Johnny Cage. And I don't know how I feel about that. Don't get me wrong. I'm fucking stoked for, to see that. I just don't think he has the, 
physical ability to be able to pull off mm-hmm. Johnny Cage. The personality, sure. Um, you know, he he can brawl, sure. But Cage is very acrobatic. That is a part of his personality. I mean, Johnny Cage was literally a rip off of Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah, yeah. Which is why he does the splits, and that's the big point of contention for me. If if I can see Carl Urban do the splits, he can sell me on it. <laughs> yeah. But it better not look shitty. Yeah. Um, Going back to the, the rider strike, do you think anything changes? Yeah. I you think, do. I, I think... It's going to be one of those things where it it's going to happen again in a few years. Yeah. Writers that, I guess that's what again. I was asking. Do you see anything categorically like this is going to make a major shift and we don't see another one of these strikes for a while? Or do you think like, hey, it gets better and then, I, you know, we, I, we, re- we revisit this like, you know, three years down the road. It's, it's, it's going to be revisited, but I think we're now in a, a great time to where not just the the people being affected by it, but outside sources, outside influences, stuff like that are now aware of this and they understand Mm -hmm. like we're, we're getting to a point where the average viewer is now getting in the know of inner workings of Hollywood. And they're like, yeah, this isn't cool. Right. This like, this is not okay. And then when you got, other people um in the business backing them it's been such an amazing thing to see that it i can't see it not having a major effect going forward like i said we're still gonna get this in a few years it's it's bound to happen it it always does but i do think that we are going to get something uh more positive for this outcome.